Hey, if you have a Bible, I'm going to get you to, to, to jump right in, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 2. We're just going to get right into it today. Uh, you know, sometimes I like to start out with, with a funny story. I feel like Joel Osteen. I like to start out with something funny. Hey, if you come around Houston, come on and visit us. We'll make you feel right at home. That's my, that's my Osteen impression, you know. Why did the scarecrow get an award? Because he stood out in his field. Anyway. anyway. Dad jokes. Anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna skip the humor today, and we're gonna dive right in because because what we're gonna cover today in Revelation chapter two. Go in your Bible to Revelation chapter two. We're gonna read to the end of it today together. And what we're gonna cover today, I, I just believe, and I, and our time of worship's only confirm what I, I felt the Lord was going to do this weekend. I believe we're going to be on to something major and that things are going to start to break around us, things that have just been in position in and over our lives for a long time. We're going to come awake to something and not only come out from under it, but I believe get over some things uh, today. And so I'm excited. There's a real key, I believe, that God wants to deposit us and give to us as we continue our series. We're in the book of Revelation. As we continue through Revelation, uh, I believe today is going to be very significant. And I've had a sense of the helplessness of the devil this week. Um, a lot of the time I, I sense as we prepare messages and as we come into a weekend, I, I feel the battle and I can feel the things going on. And then, but this one, I feel like has just had the devil running. And I, I'm excited for what I think the Lord wants to say. And not only that, but to do through what he has to say. For those of you who are just joining us, we are in a series uh, called Revelation. It's a, just a title. We took the title from the book. And all we're doing is we're reading verse by verse this mysterious, often misunderstood book that's found at the back of your Bible called Revelation. And we've learned a few things just to catch you up, that the word revelation comes from the word apocalypsis, which means what? Unveiling, correct. It actually means unveiling. And we've come to find out that this book wasn't actually given to scare you. Oh, it gets real and it gets heavy and it gets intense and God full on flexes and it, it's, it goes, it's wild at points. But it wasn't actually given to, to scare you. It was given so that you would have grace and peace if you would just hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And so we've been listening and asking the Spirit to speak to us because we believe that this isn't just a word for someday, but God's word was and is and is to come. And so so there's something that he has to say to us in the here and now. Amen. And so we've been looking week by week and we've over the last few weeks, we've been in these letters that Jesus spoke or, or sent to seven churches in the province of Asia. It's modern day Turkey back in the first century. But we also have discovered that because it was and is and is to come, this wasn't just a message for a church at a time, but for the church at all times. And so we've been taking very seriously what Jesus has been saying, and, I, and we're, this continues today. And so let's jump in. And what we've been doing actually is reading this out loud together. I don't know if Pastor Seth did that, or I don't think Pastor Adam did. I saw that last week. I was, I was monitoring. I was hovering, making sure. And, and they didn't do that so that you, you missed your triple blessing, but I'm back. So here we go. Let's get, let's get our triple blessing. Let's read it out loud together. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, and your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in these things. Let's pause there. So Jesus writes this letter to a church in Thyatira. And one of the things we've been looking at each week to get our beginning understanding of what Jesus is saying is we, we look at who he's writing to and the name or the address that he sends it from. And so each week we've been seeing, you know, from the one whose who's, who's word is like a double-edged sword. We saw that. Now this week it gets real. Jesus says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Thyatira from not just anybody, but from the Son of God. This is the only time he, he drops that name. This is the only time he says, this is from the Son of God. And to say Son of God, it's not some like there's God and then God the Son. Don't think of it like that. When he says Son of God, it puts him on par. It means he is God. He's saying this message is coming from God. Now, all of the other ones did, but in case you were unaware, he's reminding you this is coming directly from God Almighty. 
And then he says, whose eyes are like flames of fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. Now, if you remember back in week two, I believe it was, at the end of chapter one, we had unpacked that vision where John sees him as the one with eyes of fire and he had the white hair and the sword tongue. It was crazy. And we, we explained that. So go back and watch if you're a little bit confused right now. But what we found out was this feat of polished bronze speaks to his unmatched, unparalleled authority. That there's none beside him, there's no one like him, that his feet are polished bronze. And we actually looked at it like molten bronze, like they're glowing. And then he says, and the one whose eyes are like flames of fire. We looked at that too, didn't we? And we learned that this speaks of his passion and his desire, but more than that, it actually speaks to his perception. That he can see through things that we can't see through. That he can see into darkness, that he can perceive through walls, that he actually has piercing perception perceiving eyes. That's what he's getting at here. And not only that, but we also learned that that spoke about his justice and wrath, didn't it? We learned that God can be angry, that, that wrath is just, that, that God hates anything that takes and degrades his creation. And so this is the backdrop. And he says, this is from, that's who it's from. And he says, to the church in Thyatira. Now, really quick, Thyatira of the seven cities was the least significant. It was the smallest, the least popular, the, the least influential. It was of the seven, it was the least of the seven. And in fact, some people were even surprised that that, that would have been written to. And yet he, he writes to this smaller city and is not quite as powerful or noteworthy as the other cities. And yet, if you look a little closer behind the surface of this city, there's some significant things we need to know. One of them is it was an industrial town. For those of you in St. John area, especially, you know what it's like to be an industrial town. Can I get a who? Yeah, some, some, some of my, some of my uh, guys who work at the refinery, it's like an industrial town. There's, a, there's a, a, an atmosphere about it. We're hard workers, we're blue collar. And that's what Thyatira was. These were hardworking people. Uh, trade guilds were really the main influencers in Thyatira. But also, not only that, the most significant thing about this city, and I gotta hurry because we gotta cover some ground, but the most significant thing, this is important, it was a military outpost. And that if you are going to conquer the region in Asia, if you're going to get access to the other six cities, Thyatira was the target. It actually stood as some type of gate. In fact, there was a military outpost where there was a good contingent of Roman soldiers right there to protect the rest of the cities. If you were going to take out the rest, you needed to get through that place. And so it was a strategic epicenter. He who controlled Thyatira controlled the region. And so this is really important. I just want you to tuck that away because this is going to speak to where we go and where Jesus goes. And so Jesus writes to them and he gives them a praise, doesn't he? He says, I've seen your love, your faith, the things you do, your service, your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Here's the praise. He writes to them and he says, this is, what, this is what's happening. I want, to, I want to praise this. You are constantly growing and developing. Jesus speaks to them. I imagine how that would feel to have a letter from Jesus, Dear King's Church, I have seen these things, way to go. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, I, now this isn't the point of my message, but this is important that we don't miss this because I think somebody here today at one of the locations needs to understand this. People in church uh, have believed a lie that being a Christian is about uh, just being a perfect person. Your perfection comes from him. Christianity is not about obtaining perfection. It's about letting his perfection transform you. And so what Jesus is more interested in here, don't miss this, this is really important. And we could do a whole sermon on this and I have, but this one's important. He's really interested in transformation. What he encourages is the fact that they're growing, that they're changing. Now, how often do we get it backwards? We look at somebody else and we say, well, they're more mature than me. Or we look at our lives and we say, this is who I should be and this is who I am. But what Jesus is measuring is not who you should be and who you are so much as who you are and who you were. He's actually looking back and saying, that's progress. 
There's some change there. There's a sign of my grace. Now this does two things, and I need to preach this sometime, but for the person who's like a new believer, fumbling, making mistakes, take two steps and forward and three steps back, what Jesus is looking for is that, is there a sign of life and transformation happening? And that should encourage you, that he's not saying, you know, you're a brand new believer and now you need to be able to run. No, you know what? First you need to learn how to sit in your faith and then stand in your faith. And then walk in your faith. It's a progress. It's a process. And this is what Jesus, he, he, he adores about them. And at the same time, this also puts a little bit of pressure on those of you who've convinced yourself, I've arrived. I'm good. Let me say to the 20-year saint, are you changing still? Because that's never supposed to stop. If the grace of God is on your life and in your heart, you are supposed to be changing from glory to glory, strength to strength. That's what God does. He changes you from glory to ever-increasing glory. So you should not be the same person after a couple of years of following Jesus. It doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how long you've been following him. We're all babies and we're all immature when compared to him. He's trying to change you day by day. Can I get an amen? So he celebrates them and he says, great job. Great job. My grace, th this is legitimate. You are really changing. That's the sign of life. This is a sign of life. But then he goes on, and this is really where he gets to his point. Jesus says this, but I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself, she, is she a prophet? No, she calls herself a prophet to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to, to eat food offered to idols. And I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Now, let's just pause there because some of you, maybe you were, you were here a couple weeks ago and we did the church in Pergamum. Pergamum, you, we saw that they were struggling with sexual immorality and food offered to idols, idolatry. Didn't we, anybody remember that? Now, if you read that, you might think, well, is just everybody struggling with sexual immorality and idolatry? The answer actually is yes. Um, that generally is the two channels that our sin ends up rooting itself or, or, or becoming evident. But the point here is this. They are not struggling in the same way as the church in Pergamum. Remember back two weeks ago when we talked about Pergamum. What was Pergamum's problem? It wasn't just that there was a sexual immorality and idolatry, but if we trace that back, we got to the root of it. How many know this? Jesus, when he speaks about sin and speaks to sin, he addresses the root, not necessarily the fruit. A lot of the time, you and I, we look at the substance and Jesus says, no, let's get to the source. We look at the things that we did or didn't do, the failures that happened, and Jesus, what he's always speaking to is getting back to the source. And so if you look at the church of Pergamum, what was the source of their problem? It wasn't, the, the sexual immorality was the substance, that was the fruit, but the root of it was what? It was compromise. It was that they let ideologies come in and they started to call things right that were clearly wrong according to the word of God. That's the, the influence of the Nicolaitans. Anybody remember? I talked to myself. Yeah. They allowed false teaching to come in and that led them to sin. That led them to immorality. Correct? Hang with me. This is different. We see no sign necessarily of the fact that they were calling wrong right or that this was, their problem was in confusion in their mind, what does Jesus say? He says, your problem isn't actually the same as Pergamum, although it's manifesting itself the same way. Hang with me. Your problem is actually that you are permitting or tolerating, there's that word again, that woman, that Jezebel. That's the problem. If you have a Bible, you, you need to circle that word, that Jezebel. This is what he's speaking about. This is what he singles out. Here is the root we need to get to. You are permitting Jezebel. Now, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Who is Jezebel and why is she causing all of these problems? This is what I want to speak to you about for a few minutes today. Now, Jezebel, there's some argument about who she might have been as we look into the history of Thyatira. Thyatira had an oracle that lived in that city. Some believe that she might have actually been this like fortune-telling sort of sorceress 
Hogwarts sort of lady. I don't know. Some people think she might have been that. Other people, I read one article that's, or one commentary that said that they thought it was actually the bishop's wife. I don't know what she was up to, but anyway. But actually, there's really no good data on who this person literally was. But Jesus, as you can see, doesn't address her literally. He says, you are permitting that woman, that Jezebel. Or another translation says, the Amplified Version says, that Jezebel of a woman. So he's using that as like a typography or as a type, correct? And so he wants you to ask the question, okay, she's acting like or acting in the spirit of Jezebel. So that poses the question, is their problem is the spirit or the activity of Jezebel? So now we need to ask the secondary question, who is Jezebel and what was her problem? Who was Jezebel and what was she up to? Now, those of you who are new to Christianity and new to this whole thing, I want you to give you some homework this week. Go back and read 1 Kings 18, 19. Go into 2 Kings. The story of Jezebel actually runs parallel with a time in Israel when a guy named Ahab was the king of Judah. And he, in the history, in the, in the, in the books of 1 and 2 Chronicles, 1 and 2 Kings, he is probably the worst king. He was probably, it was under him that the most destructive, most devastating time in their history ever manifested itself. This was a time when people left the worship of the one true God. They allowed Baal worship to come in. We saw amazing degradation and just dysfunction come into the kingdom of Israel under the rule and reign of King Ahab. Hang with me. This is going to get important. So Ahab was the king, but his story goes that he married a woman named Jezebel. She was the daughter of a king from another nation, and it was forbidden that a king, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, could marry someone outside of the nation of Israel. God was trying to create a people set apart. And so he already broke the law doing that, and now this wasn't just any woman. This woman was highly seductive, highly, highly manipulative and highly intimidating. And she got an influence over Ahab that changed the whole nation. Her influence influenced the one who had influence. And this was the thing that brought this whole nation down. Now, I want you to get this. She had no power except for the power that Ahab gave her. She influenced, it's like, it's like those of you like, who's the most powerful woman at King's Church? My wife, <laughs> right? She could be, right? It, it, that, it's the influence, it's the influence, it's that voice into the one who's got the power to make decisions and move. Ahab had the power to make decisions. He had the power to declare. He had the power to create laws and to make decisions. However, he was being run and ruled by Jezebel. And so God raises up a voice because here's the deal. In the kingdom of God, God always has a kingly authority and he always has a prophetic voice. And those two things are supposed to operate in tandem. The king is the one with the authority to say, do this and do that. But the prophetic voice is the voice of the Lord that was given to direct the king. Now watch this. Ahab replaced the voice of God's prophets with a false voice. And that voice began to lead the people of Israel through their king who believed the wrong voice unto destruction. Is this coming together for you? And so we actually find if you, we had time, we'd go look at it. God raises up a powerful voice because whenever there's a lie, God replaces it with a better word. Can I get an amen? And so he brings Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. And he comes and he confronts Ahab and he says, you wicked king. And he brings down a drought upon Israel so that they will repent. And there's this great showdown on Mount Carmel where he calls the prophets of Baal and he humiliates them. And God shows up and shows off and shows out and the nation of Israel turns back to God in this beautiful moment. Read it, 1 Kings 18. It's amazing. But the rest of the story goes, the drought ends, and Ahab doesn't deal with Jezebel. Jezebel's voice is still above him. 
And when she finds out that the prophets of Baal had lost and died, she speaks a promise of a curse over Elijah and says, I will kill him. Elijah heard that and he ran for his life. And in fact, he was suicidal. He was depressed. He was anxious. He, he, he completely bottomed out. He went from the highest mountaintop to a complete destructive space and he never fully recovered his ministry. He never did another miracle. God had to anoint another prophet named Elisha who, who actually anointed a new king and we'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to understand what's going on behind the scenes here. God, Jesus, when he speaks to the people of, of Thyatira, he says, there is a Jezebel at work. Here's your issue. Here's the problem. You are deceived by the spirit of Jezebel. Now, what is the spirit of Jezebel? Just, just so we're all clear. It is an unrighteous controlling spirit that is deceiving you and misleading you unto your own destruction. That's what Jezebel is. That's who she is. Now, is it a woman? No, it, Jezebel's spirit can operate in men and women. It's a spirit. And let me just say, in case you're wondering, like, are there spirits? Oh, yes. And we're going to just pop the hood on this this weekend. And we, I believe we're coming into a time where the church in Atlantic Canada and frankly, North America is going to wake up to the fact that we war not against flesh and blood. And there are spirits and Thyatira are under the influence of this demonic spirit that is presenting herself as an authority. She calls herself a prophet but Jesus says she's not. She's deceiving you. She's saying things to you that are influencing you, bringing an authority into your life that is no authority at all, and it is leading you to destruction. Now, can I just, can I just ask a question and just, just, just humor me? Is it possible that just like the church in Thyatira is it possible that maybe the, some of the things in your life, like for them, they're struggling with sexual immorality. You know, some of you guys may be like, is it possible that there's more going on to your porn addiction than just a physiological thing? Is it possible that there's a thing behind the thing? Like, okay, marriage, marriage. Is it possible that there's more going on than just you're out of sync? Or you've got a child, you've got a child that's in bondage, they're, they're addicted to some substance. Is it possible that their body is it's more, there's more than just their body needing some substance? Is there something else going on? Is, there, is it possible that there's something going on behind the scenes? Like, like, this might not be a popular thing to say. Honestly, I'm gonna say it. Don't, you can email me, dan.lamus at kingschurch.cc. <laughs> like, is it possible that we live, in a, we live in a time where we have never been more anxious, there has never been more mental illness and depression and despair. And look, I'm thankful for the bell let's talk. I'm thankful for the conversation that has ended the stigma, but I wonder if we're not giving it actually more power. Like, I wonder if... There's a spirit behind the thing that's like, it's happy for you to talk about your anxiety. It's happy for you to talk about your addiction and just rehearse it and give it more and more power. I know there's physiological things that go into addiction. I know there's physiological things that go into depression and despair. I have friends and family members who have dealt with both of those things, but I know something even more. There is a spiritual reality at work in our world and in our lives. And I wonder if God's not saying, wake up, wake up. Like there's something else at play here. There's something else going on. Yeah, okay, maybe there's a reason. Maybe it's more than genetics that you and your mom and your mother's mom all dealt with, with mental illness. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's a spirit. This is what Jesus is pointing out. He's saying you are being led into destruction by this spirit. Now, you've got to understand how this works, and I want to break this down. I'm going to fly through this. Take some notes, because I think this is going to be something you need to unpack. God is going to reveal some things to you, and you're going to get a new lens on just how, the influences in your life. When God influences you, when God leads you, when God exercises his authority, you need to understand God's spirit is a liberator. 
God's spirit brings freedom and life. That is his nature. And so when he leads in authority, first and foremost, his authority is actual. It, he really is in authority. There's none beside him. There's no one above him. Now, now, why do I have to qualify that? You've ever been in a room where someone had a title, but they weren't in charge? Yeah? Yes. Authority is bigger than just a position. But God has the position and the disposition. He really is in authority. But not only is it actual, God's authority is righteous, meaning he never leads you to ruin. How many of you believe that? Like God, one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given, my mentor told me I was struggling with anxiety. I was, starting to, I was starting to get freaked out by this whole ministry thing. And he looked me in the eye and he says, God will never lead you to a place that undoes you. He is building you. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah it hurts. Yeah, it's refining you, but he is building you. God's leadership, his authority is righteous and it is always relational or invitational. In other words, God will never control you. Now you hear things like in Romans 8 where it says we're controlled by the Spirit. Yes, we are. But guess what? We had to yield control to the Spirit. We have free will. God will never control you. He will never impose himself on you. He wants your love. He wants your heart and your trust, and he does that, and he gives you the, the chance to say yes or no, you are Lord. And so God leads through love, trust, and intimacy. Now, Jezebel, this activity is a false authority. This authority is only as strong as the one it has influenced. So it, it actually steals authority. It will come into a relationship and influence the one that actually has authority. Think about Jezebel and Ahab. Jezebel is just some, one of his probably many wives. Ahab was the king, but he gave her that influence. It's a borrowed influence. It's false. It's alternative. And it is unrighteous. It leads to destruction. And here's the, here's the kicker. It is divisive, abusive. I would even say this. It is domineering. The Jezebel spirit actually seeks control. It seeks to dominate. God's spirit seeks to liberate. God's spirit seeks to liberate and to loose and to set free. She seeks, the Jezebel spirit seeks to dominate, to control, to manipulate, to intimidate and seduce. That's what she does. That's what the Jezebel spirit does. She leads you from a position of fear control and scarcity. So Jesus says this. this. This gets really serious. And this is probably the harshest words you're going to hear to the church. Jesus says, therefore, and, and actually it's aimed at her. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. This is the words of Jesus. Let the children come to me, Jesus. Look at, look at this. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds, turn away from her influence. Notice it. I will strike her children dead. What's that? It's the fruit, the byproduct of her influence. He's saying, I'm not just coming after the fruit. I'm not just coming after the root. I'm taking the whole tree. There will be no trace of her left in my people, he says. I will strike her children dead and then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person and I will give each of you whatever you deserve. So Jesus absolutely puts his foot down. He's saying, wake up. Here, here's the procedure. Here's what you need to start doing. And I hope this is, I feel like it is even in the room or at West at Halifax. I feel like there's a sense of eyes opening. That there's this influence behind the surface. And Jesus is saying, you have got to recognize that there's more going on in your life. That those destructive patterns might be the work of a principality. Those propensities might actually be bondage. And that God is actually saying, I, first, if you're ever going to get free, the first thing is you have to admit that you're bound. 
And you actually have to see what's really going on. And he says, open your eyes. You will know I'm the one who searches the thoughts and the minds. I'm, show, I'm looking for the hidden things. I'm, I'm piercing with that, the, the, the eyes of fire. And I am out to destroy this thing. Now, I'm going to give you some things that help you discern the work of the Jezebel spirit. Here's some of the signs. Here's how Jezebel operates. And let me just pump the brakes for a second and say this. Every person under the sound of my voice has been abused by the Jezebel spirit or influenced by it, and you have been used by the Jezebel spirit. We've been on both ends of it. There have been times where you have been dominated and controlled and hurt, and there have been times where you have dominated, controlled, manipulated, and hurt. Every one of us. The Jezebel spirit does not care whether you are the oppressed or the oppressor just wants you in the game. She's got you. I, I found that out the hard way one time. I, I, I've been noticing, the Lord's been revealing this to me. I remember I was at, I was at a meeting one time, and man, I, this, this just fight went sideways. Bunch of Christian pastors, right? Aren't we supposed to be perfect? No. Progress. We got in this big fight, and I was standing up for what I believe was right. I was, standing, I, was, I was saying all the right things, I think. I think, you know, we, we got in this big, this big gridlock and on the way home, I just felt icky. I just felt like, ah. Oh. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you got duped. You got duped. You got pulled into a battle and deceived into thinking you were doing something for me that was actually for you. She disguises herself as a prophet. She disguises herself. So here's some of the things you need to look for. Because this is a deception, because it's a spiritual blindness, it's very hard to spot. Here's what you need to look for. She operates these things, whether these are feelings coming up that you're experiencing or things that you're projecting on other people, this is what you can spot. She works through insecurity. If you're feeling insecure or you're trying to make someone feel insecure, that might be evidence of the work of the Jezebel spirit. She works off rejection or the fear of rejection. You ever, you ever seen how strong sometimes we can act in opposition of, of being rejected? That might be a sign. She works off of pride. Now what's, what's pride? Pride is not thinking much of yourself. It's thinking about yourself much, a lot. Pride is a self-focus. I've met people who were very, very, um, not arrogant, the opposite of arrogant, but very proud. They were focused on themselves. That's what pride is. It's a self-focus. Arrogance is connected to pride, but it is self-promotion. It is that, you know, when you put somebody down, that's arrogance. That's you pushing them down. Why? So I can be elevated. That's self-promotion. If, if you're finding yourself, you just can't let that thing go or you can't give up your right to be right. I, I get checked on that so many times. Like, how, how come I can't just let something go without letting you know I'm smarter than you? Right? Got to get in the last word. Why is gossip so tempting? It's arrogance. It's getting the upper hand. It's getting a foot in the door. That's, that's the Jezebel spirit. It's control. It's manipulation. She works through manipulation and intimidation. And now if you chase it down, if it has time to make children, if she has time to operate, this is how it manifests itself. And actually, if we had time to do a study, you can see, especially in these in two through five, you can see in the story of Elijah, her effects. She actually gets into Ahab's life through seduction. Bible says she was very beautiful. Uh, we're going to see in a second, she actually like was a, as an expert at putting on a face, like putting on makeup and convincing you and making yourself desirable. Actually, when Jesus speaks to the church in Thyatira and says that she's causing you to commit sexual immorality, it's the word pornea, where we get the word porn from, pornography. And what is that? It's lust. What is lust? Lust is unrighteous consumption. It's to take and consume something and so, and, and to actually, that's not yours. That's not for your, for your eyes to see. And so Ahab fell for her. And then we find when she speaks out threats to Elijah, he runs in complete fear 
and dread and despair. Think about this. She was so powerful that the guy who stood up and faced down hundreds of prophets of Baal called down fire from the heavens. When she said, I'm going to kill you, he ran in terror. The voice of dread, that's often Jezebel. That's a spirit. You ever have that sudden rush of dread? You ever just be driving along and all of a sudden you hear like, what if your kids die? Where did that come from? Hell. Hell. It's a spirit. Will lead you, the fear will lead you into depression, even exhaustion. How many of you have actually been depressed? One of the signs of being a depression is fatigue, isn't it? You lose that fire of life. You lose the ability. It's like I remember talking to a friend of mine who was going through it. It's like it's hard to get up in the morning. I just want to lay in bed all day. That's depression. And I'm not saying that all depression is because you're being controlled by the Jezebel spirit, but it might be worth asking the question. Depression that leads to discouragement, that ultimately leads to thoughts of suicide. This is the pattern and the path and the side effects of the Jezebel spirit. And all of us are prone to it. And so Jesus comes in hot and he says, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. I am not messing around. He says, there is no place in the kingdom of God for this voice. There is no place in your mind for that voice. There is no place in your marriage. Think about marriages for a minute. How often do our marriages degrade into an economy of manipulation or intimidation? Can we be real? How often? And you know the stats say that the greatest sign of divorce, the greatest sign of divorce is if one partner dominates another one. It's the greatest precursor of divorce. It's a destructive spirit. If you feel prone to control something, like in your business, in your family, if you're hands-on, if you are trying to work the gears and, and, and pull the strings, that is not how God operates. And Jesus says, there is no place in my kingdom for it. If you want my hands on your life, then take your hands off. There is no place for control. And so Jesus says, here's what's going to happen. So he says, you first and foremost, you need to perceive it. You need to realize that you might be under the influence. And I feel like even as I'm talking, like West Halifax, I just feel like there's a sense of, maybe even right now the Holy Spirit's connecting dots for some of you, where it's like, maybe there's something else going on here, and maybe that's why I keep falling to this thing. Jesus says you need to open your eyes and see it. You need to recognize that you are being controlled and recognize when you're being controlling. It's a sin. It's cooperation with an anti-prophetic spirit. It is positioning and posturing itself as authoritative and causing you to operate, to take your kingdom into a place of destruction. That's what the Jezebel spirit does. She's trying to destroy you. She's trying to destroy God's kingdom. She's trying to destroy your marriage. She's trying to destroy your purity. She's trying to rob your destiny. She's trying to take your children. She's trying to destroy our culture. Let's, let's look at culture through this lens for a minute. 2020, like we live in woke culture. Is anything more asleep and blind than wokeness? Go look it up. You got, you got Antifa out here being violent because people are too violent. You got anti-fascists being fascists. Jezebel loves it. Loves it. Cancel culture. You can't say that around here. You're canceled. No, don't laugh. That's Jezebel. That's muzzling you. That's working through intimidation. That's shutting down dialogue and shutting down discourse. It's elevating dysfunction. It's saying, you know what? You be you and no one else can tell you otherwise. It's the prevalence of pornography. It's that, listen, let me just say this prophetically. This is the time the church, the men and women of God are actually gonna stand in victory over pornography. No, don't, don't golf clap this. 
my sons need me to walk in authority. Because it isn't, it isn't hard to find. It's not hard to find. Substances, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, porn addiction is rampant. It's everywhere because we've created a culture that says, you can't tell me what's right or wrong. And I deserve to chase my feelings and my urges all the way to their ends. And Jezebel sits back and says, go for it. And Jesus says, you need to wake up. You are being robbed. I just, I just have this like, ah, in my spirit. Like Jesus wants us to wake up to the fact that we're his people who are called by his name, who are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, the sons and daughters of God, the ones that are supposed to have dominion on the earth. We are being duped and we are giving kingdom authority over to a lie. And God actually wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to walk in freedom and purity, and in our destiny. That is not just some nice, cute idea that churchy people say. It's your destiny in Jesus. To be holy. To be like him. And so Jesus comes in really hot, and he says, here's the procedure. Wake up, come out from under that spell. I know this is really nerdy, but this might help somebody. Like, to picture in, like, Lord of the Rings, two towers, like, uh, what's the guy in uh, Rohan, the king, that's, he's, he's under a spell and he's got the guy beside him that's just feeding lies into his mind and Gandalf had to come in and take him out. That's what this is. That's a picture speaking of a greater truth. You know, Tolkien was a Christian, right? Here's the procedure. You need to perceive it. You need to recognize it. And then you need to destroy it. Come out from under it. But God wants you more than just coming out from under something's influence. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors. The Bible says that we are actually, Jesus said that you, my followers, will cast out demons and you will stand on the head of serpents. Now, hear that. Some of you are freaking out that I'm talking about demons. Do not give the devil one more ounce of fear. He is terrified of Jesus. Jesus lives in me. You know, I'll just say this. This wasn't in my notes. Let me just go here. I was plagued by demonic dreams and night terrors from about 14 to 20 years old. Crazy stuff. And it had a stronghold of fear in my life. I, I, I spent years sleeping on my side because I'm too scared. I was too afraid to like in the fetal position in the wall because I didn't want, I was scared to wake up. I was scared what I might see. And some of you are like, wow, this is weird. Yeah, it is. And it's heavy. And it had a stronghold of fear. And then somewhere about 20 years old, I, I finally gave my life fully to Jesus. I found myself on way to ministry. I, I still look back on that. I think he was trying to scare me out of the direction I took. But it wasn't until I realized, okay, if the devil is real, which he is, and if demons are real, and it's all true, then it's all true, and Jesus is who he says he is. And I started to shift in my mind, and that, that, that lie that I was believing and coming into agreement with, that intimidating spirit all of a sudden got pulled down. I'm not scared of no devils. Not because I'm so great. Not because I'm powerful, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not afraid. Read your Bible. Do you know what demons did when Jesus showed up? They freaked. They ran. It's, I know sometimes you think about this. It's like you, you see the, the, you know, it's like this big battle. You got the devil and Jesus duking it out. It's not, it's not like that. Read your Bible. Jesus tramples the devil. It's an insect. Ding. There's God and no one else. And Jesus says, you need to wake up and rise up. Take authority. Look what he says. He, he, gives us, he gives us the way forward. He says, I also have a message for the rest of you. Sign me up. Who have not followed this false teaching, the deeper truths. I love the quotes, the deeper truths. 
That's what she does. She lies. She says, you need this website. You need the bottle tonight. You know, your wife will never obey you, so you're going to have to go out and do this. She's never going to submit to you. He's never going to get it, so you're going to have to pound it into his head. She, deeper truths that are lies. Deeper truths, as they call them. Depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Now, what do you have? Look what Jesus says. He says, to all who are victorious who obey me, to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations. Authority. I will give them authority. What kind of authority? The kind of authority like Jesus has that disarms and and destroys the principalities and powers. That's the authority. And I'll give it to them, Jesus says. They will rule the nations with iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Like Now get that imagery in your mind. It's like iron coming into contact with clay. That's what happens when something clashes with the kingdom of God. The kingdom is never shaken. He says, I will give you that kind of authority if you hang on to this. They will have the same authority I received from my father and I will also give them the morning star. What kind of authority is that? It's the kind of authority that says Lazarus rise and he rises. It's the kind of authority that says, you know what? Be healed in my name, in the name of Jesus and fevers break and, 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 and tumors are healed and leprosy disappears. That's the kind of authority. It's the kind of authority that speaks lies into, into or speaks truth into lies and light into darkness and it just becomes apparent. When you come into contact with real authority, there's no question. Have you ever noticed that? There's no question. And Jesus says, I will give you that authority and I will give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Here's the promise. The power is in the promise. I give you dominion. I will give you authority over the nations. What's he talking about? He's talking about actual authority. That when the devil comes, when the devil pulls at you, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. I believe this is the time where we're going to actually start taking authority. I feel like God's impressing that upon me. And he says, I'll give them the morning star. What's the morning star? Well, he is the morning star, but it's a picture of what? It's a picture of life. It's a picture of glory. It's a picture of the first star in the morning that just says everything's going to be okay. I'll give you the morning star and I'll give you authority. Now, here's the two things I want you to take away from this. When it comes to overcoming Jezebel, it's found first and foremost in trust. Trusting God. Jezebel wants to wedge a lie between your trust, between you and how you trust God. So victory is actually found in putting God back in his rightful place. Did you know that worry at its root is taking control from God? That's what, that's what worry is. It's, it's I'm, a better, I'm better at driving my life than you are, Jesus. And so victory is found in grounded in trust. And then what? It's in his power. Victory is actually found, like, like what weapons do we have? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says the weapons of our warfare are mighty in battle. They're actually able to pull down strongholds. What weapon, what's our weapon? It's the word. Not just reading the word, not just absorbing the word, declaring the word. What if we stopped talking about mental illness and started speaking to it? What if we stopped talking about porn addiction and started speaking the word to it? What if we armed ourselves with the word in our marriages? What if we armed ourselves with the word over our kids instead of being up all night worrying? What if we just every time we feel worry come in, we fight the worry with the word? That's what happens. That's how Jezebel died, you know. Dan, you can come back. I'm going to be done. We're going to pray. We're going to... Here's how Jezebel died. I actually declared this in January that I believe this is a season, a a Jehu season, fun word. And it's a season I felt God say back in January that it's gonna be a season where we stand over the thing that stood over us. That we actually not only come out from under the influence, but we get over the influence. 
That we actually are, like the Bible says, more than conquerors. Not just we got away with our lives, but we stand on the head of the serpent. That we actually stand over. That you can go on your computer and not have to worry about it. You've got victory. Victory is actually possible. And I believe this is a season for it. And, and here's, here's the story of, of Jezebel ends like this. God raised up a new king named Jehu. And Jehu was a warrior king. And Jehu was one who was not going to tolerate this. He wasn't talking to her. He wasn't looking at her. He, was, he had one mission, and that was, I am getting the kingdom back. I am dedicating it back to God, and I am destroying every anti-kingdom voice I can find. And he hunted this girl. Now, warning, this is not PG Bible right here. Look at this. Some of you kids are like, that was really violent. It is. Watch this. Says Jehu went to Jezreel. And when Jezebel heard about it, she put on eye makeup. There she goes. Seduction. She arranged her hair and she looked out of a window. And that actually speaks to the fact that she was on like a, on a terrace. She was elevated. God, uh, the devil tries to put lies high in your mind. That's why we tear down every stronghold, every high idea, every lofty idea that distorts the, the, the truth of God. She was in a high place. And as Jehu entered the gate, and I believe this is a season where, where the, the kingdom is entering the gate of places that have been fortified. As Jehu entered the gate, she asked, have you come in peace, Zimri, or you murderer of your master? You see the, see the manipulation? She's offering herself to him, but yet also bringing in, she'll t- she's, she's, she's squirming, and now watch. He looked up at the window and he called out, who is on my side? Who? I love that. And I looked up the language and some people think, some people think he's actually saying, who's on the Lord's side? I wonder if he isn't reminding himself in that moment. Who's on my side? Who's on my side? Yeah, yeah, I see you. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Yeah, I see you in your lofty place. I see you drug addiction. I see you sexual addiction. I see you marital dysfunction. I see it, but I, I, who's on my side? He's greater. And he says, throw her down. Throw her down. Throw her down, he says. So, these eunuchs, three eunuchs, which there's a whole message there. You know that she wants to neuter you. She wants to take your power for life. The closer you get to her, the more she destroys your capacity. So they threw her down, these eunuchs. They came around her and they threw her down and some of her blood splattered on the wall and the horses trampled her underfoot. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. I wonder if God doesn't want to trample underfoot, under your foot, some things that have just had influence over you for too long. Some of you have been wounded and you've not been able to forgive. Today's the day you, pull, you come out from under it and you pull that down and you stand over it in Jesus' name. So here's the, here's the simple call. I believe this is a Jehu season. And if you are here today, Halifax West, I'm gonna ask you to do something. Everybody stand to your feet. Just keep this moment right now. The Holy Spirit is doing something. And this is a moment, something's gonna break. Stay focused right now, all of our locations. If you think, you know what? There's a chance that there is a spiritual war going on behind the scenes that I have been unaware of, and now I am awake. You just poked the bear. I am awake, and I know what's actually happening, and I'm coming out from under that influence. And if that's you, there's some people here, you're seeing it in your marriage. There's some people here, you're seeing it as the root of your alcohol addiction. Some of you are seeing it in your past. Some of you are seeing it in your relationships at work. You are a dominator. That is not how Jesus leads. Sift your life right now. Take a look. If you would say 
that God is speaking to me right now in this moment. The Holy Spirit is revealing, like he with eyes of fire is perceiving my life and he's now giving me eyes to see an area that I have been under the influence. Right now, I'm calling you to come out from under the influence and I want you at all of our locations just to come and fill the front. If that's you and you feel like this is speaking to me and I need to do something about it right now, come to the front, all of our locations right now. Be bold. This is, this is not, we're not messing around. This is a moment. Come on, some of you got generational sins happening. Some of you have generational strongholds and bondage. There's somebody God's putting a heart for the region. I believe there's something about our region that's going to break even. Come on, there's, there's lots of room. And we're going to pray. And the Holy Spirit's going to give us insight right now. And we are not going to be duped the way we were duped before. So Oliver, look, come on, there's more room. There's, if, look, if, if this, don't, don't, don't deny what the Spirit's saying to you. Let's, let's, let's just come, come. Come out from under the influence. Let's get out from under it. So I'm going to pray. I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and you're gonna pray and you're gonna agree. This is for you. This is your moment. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to reveal to us, even supernaturally, give us wisdom we didn't have before to reveal to us where we're being deceived. So Father, right now, as we gather as your people, we just first and foremost, we hear you when you say, son of God, daughter of God. We just receive our identity right now and we push back against any lie that would say, yeah, but you're, you're really just the measure of your sin or you're really just this or you're really just the, the mistakes in your past or you're really just an addict or you're really just a bad husband or you're really just a porn addict or whatever it is. Lord, right now we hear the voice of the Lord defining who we are. We hear, we hear it and we rise up. We know we're kings and priests. So Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that for every stronghold, for strongholds of addiction, for strongholds of anxiety, for strongholds of fear, for suicidal thoughts, we say in Jesus' name you have been exposed as a deception and a lie and we place the word, the rhema word, that word of the Spirit back in its rightful place we set our minds on things above and we cast down deceptions. Lord, right now, I rebuke the spirit of suicide. We rebuke anxiety. We rebuke depression. We rebuke addiction. Lord, I think there's even physical ailments right now that are a manifestation of something deeper. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lord, we just I ask for wisdom right now for each person who's come to pray. Lord, would they name it? Would they say, in Jesus' name, that's done. In Jesus' name, I'm not staying up another night worrying. I come against worry in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come against uh, allegiances in our minds. We come against false ideologies. Lord, we, we, the ways that we're duped into, into rotten thinking, God, I pray that you would take it back in Jesus' name. So Father, we just, we just say renew our minds in the name of Jesus. Take back our eyes, let us see. And now Father, wake up your church. Let us see, let us see in the spirit. Let us not look at this region and say, oh, it's just a place where people lose their jobs and move out west. Lord, would we look at it and call out destiny and not agree with the lies of the devil in Jesus' name? Lord, you promised us dominion. We take hold of the word, the sword of the spirit. We arm ourselves with it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now for an ability not only to come out from under the lies, Lord, but now to stand over it in Jesus' name. For every lie, Lord, would you equip us with your truth. For every whisper of the enemy, Lord, would a shout of your word rise up in us. Lord, would I pray for capacity right now to memorize the word of God, that Lord, when we're in those moments that your word would be quick on our tongues. Oh God, I believe you're doing a new work in your church right now and that things are breaking off right now because it's, there are things breaking off right now because you have made allegiances in your mind that are now broken. And the Jezebel spirit does not have power to cling on to you. She only has power that you give her. And we are taking it back now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And now, Father, we stand. 
in the authority. Jesus, you said, I will give you my authority. And so we receive your authority right now. Authority. Lord, this is a season where your church is going to stand in authority. We are going to speak truth and lies will break like clay pots. We are going to walk. Lord, we are going to stand in a strength of purity that shatters the old wineskins. And so, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. We, we just stand in it as you raise us up, as you lift us up above it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Let's do this. Let's, let's just, hey, since it's already weird, let's just get weird. Um, all of our locations, I feel like we should do like a prophetic shout of victory. And there's just something holy about it. I don't know what to tell you other than when you like put your body in to what your spirit is saying, something connects and things, things shift. And I just feel like this is a moment we need to just say, it, we left it there. We left that thing there and we, we're aware now. And so I'm gonna count to three at all of our locations. And we're gonna end with this. Can we do that? I know we went over time, but this is important. We're gonna end with this. Those of you who need to pick up your kids, you go do that. But let's just make this moment and let's put the devil on notice. Let's put the devil on notice. We're coming back for our purity. We're coming back for, we're taking our families back. We're taking this region back. We're taking our destiny back. All right? So one, don't hold back. Two, he has given us dominion. And he shall have dominion from sea to sea. Three, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Hey! Hey! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Come on! Hey! Hey! Yeah. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Lord, as we go this week, will we go in victory? Lord, protect our minds. Align our minds. Give us faith to stand up in battle, confident in the power of Christ in us, not in our own ability, but in who you are. And let us fight the good fight. And Lord, we just, we just receive a new degree of strength a new degree of victory today in Jesus' name, amen.